Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the Word. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dialogic Disciple podcast. Uh, I'm here, Dr. James Johnson, and I'm here, as always, with my good buddy. I'm Nick. <laughs> a little slow today. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Can we fix that in post, James? <laughs> no, no, we're going to leave that in there because that's pretty funny. Today, we have a special guest with us. Uh, we're here today with Nate Juvenal, and Nate is the um, Director of Student Ministries at Northside Church. And Nate, we are so happy that you're here. Glad that you've joined us. Um, introduce yourself. It's great to be here, guys. Thank you all so much for having me. Uh, such So much fun to hang out with you guys. Uh, yes, um, I have been at Northside now for about three years. I've been doing youth ministry for over 20, 21, 22 years, something like that, different churches and places. I'm married. My wife's name is Susan. I have two young girls, Katie and Hope. Katie is actually joining youth group. Uh, her first youth group activity was last night. She's a sixth grader now, and my hope is in first grade. So excited to be that's here. Fantastic. Yeah. That's 20 years of youth ministry. That is. That's a lot of youth ministry. That's a lot of youth ministry. Not a lot of, lot of guys stick out. Ah, uh, yeah. I, 20 years of youth ministry. A lot of gray hair because of it. Yep. Yeah. I did, t- I did youth ministry for about 10 years, and I was done after about eight. So <laughs> <laughs> I no, it's that. great, though. Working with youth is, is a lot of fun. Um, Tell us a little bit about your, your, and now you were at Northside before and you've come back to Northside. So you have a lot of Northside experience. That's right. That's how do right. you, how do you feel? Um, you know, this has been such a weird time with the pandemic and everything going on, but how do you feel about your experience at Northside since you've been back? Sure. Um, it's, as you said, I was at Northside before, um, I was first at Northside in 1997, um, as a volunteer and then on staff after that. Um, then I was up in Dalton, Georgia, for seven years in between, and then I've been back at Northside since uh, 2017 and been honored and blessed to be back. Um, and it's a different church than the one that I left um, now 10 years ago or so. Um, it's different in many ways, but it's a great church, a church that loves each other. Um, it's a great community of believers that wants to help the community around them, uh, a community of believers that are, I think, ardent in the pursuit of the relationship with Jesus and trying to figure that out. And in this time of pandemic, that's all new for all of us. And it's new for our teenagers and the parents of teenagers and trying to figure out which end is up. And a lot of people are just trying to figure out what does that look like? Um, a lot of the students right now are zoomed out. That's a phrase that you'll hear oftentimes and the parents are as well. And so some of them are lethargic in those ways. But the, the great things that I see right now are especially people in need, our students time and time again are coming to the call of that. Like when we as church or we as community say this is a need of ours, a need of the community, need of the healthcare workers or the people on the front lines, our students are raising their hand and volunteering and they want to be the ones helping out and, awesome. and loving their neighbor. Um, an example of that was back in the spring when this thing first hit, one of our seventh graders in confirmation class was on a Zoom call, and I was on a Zoom call maybe with 50 seventh graders, which is a whole other story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but about 50 seventh graders or so, and this kid kept muting himself, and he kept going in the back of his bedroom, and he had his video on on the Zoom call, and he was actually making, uh, on his 3D printer, he was making face masks to then donate to healthcare workers in the city that he cares for. 
That's fantastic. And so that's what Northside is, and that's who our Northside students are, I people wish, who want to help others. I wish we had a 3D printer at the church. Is that something we can look into? Nick? Well, we got the executive director right yeah, here. Yeah, we got him right here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's uh, form a committee okay. and do a review process. <laughs> Sounds very Methodist. we can get a few bids. Yeah, okay. All right, all right. Yeah, make sure we do this requisition <laughs> process the right way. That's fantastic, though. You have kids, kids who are taking the initiative. Um, that's right. And I, yeah, I always, I always calling teenagers kids, I don't know if, they don't that probably don't really like that, but uh, I guess that's what they are really. Kids. For sure. But these young people um, taking the initiative like that is uh, exactly the kind of youth group you want, I think. And and that's good to hear that we uh, we have kids like that. Just in the pandemic in general, uh, and and all of the stuff that's gone on with that, you know, how how have you seen that affecting? Um, and you've spoken to this a little bit already, but have you seen that affect the the youth at Northside? It's inter- interesting. At first, it was a sense of uh, novelty of this idea of, hey, I could be on screen, I could see my friends, I could be at home. It's it's new, it's different. Um, uh, but the idea that now it's long and it's lasting is kind of waning and wearing on them. Yeah. There's also a rise of uh, loneliness, of I don't want to say quite yet depression, um, but a lot of um, you know self awareness issues that are coming from this, uh, some isolation issues and things as well, and watching the the students kind of battle with these things that they haven't had to battle before. Um, it's really key in this time that the church and the community at large has stepped up in really big ways to be the support system for these students through it. Um, for Senior Sunday back in early May, instead of doing the big brunch we normally do at Northside and the big recognition in church and things like this, my team and I went door to door and we delivered uh, the Bibles and we delivered the pictorial and we delivered handwritten notes just to see the seniors and their families um, because their graduations were canceled. A lot was canceled, like proms and things that are so important to them. And so just that brief interaction going door to door and knocking on the door and seeing these students, some who were very active with us and some that weren't, but it didn't matter. Just that personal touch behind a face mask, socially distanced and all those things we're supposed to do is so important. And so what I would say is through this pandemic, students, the novelty has worn off. The newness has kind of gone away. And now how can we as church and we as people who love these students be there for them in a supportive manner as this thing goes on. Things we already did for them before, but we knew how to do the traditional ways of showing up at their soccer games and sports games and activities. Now we're not supposed to show up for them in person, so how do we specifically find ways to still know, for them still to know that the church cares for them? Yeah, um, this is a struggle that we have in adult ministries as well, Uh, the the novelty wearing off, the the Zoom fatigue uh, setting in, and trying to figure out ways to uh, engage our congregation in creative ways. One of the things, I mean, you're, you're, you're speaking about this right now, but one of the things that is a silver lining, if we can talk about that with this pandemic, sure. is uh, is we are being challenged and pushed to, to find more creative ways to engage our congregation, um, not just during a pandemic, but just in general. Definitely. Um, and I, I think that you've spoken about that uh, with the youth. I, I've, I'm not surprised that this the teenagers who are coming up with the creative the creative mm-hmm. ways to engage. I think there's probably a lot that we could learn uh, as a congregation from our young people in that manner. Yeah, for sure. Um, student, students have a weird way or a fun way of watching them of saying, "Okay, this is what you've given me. Let's see what we can do with this." Um, 
time and time again, you know, there's several examples of, you know, they've been given some sort of issue or some sort of hand they've been dealt is a way to say that, um, that they then make the most out of the situation that they are at. Um, the whole parade idea for graduations or, or we're going to use the upcoming here shortly for confirmation as well. That whole idea, that whole concept came from students. This, this need, this, um, almost this appetite to be close with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a large part of what we are in student ministry, to be, yes, pursuant of our relationship with Christ, but then secondarily to our pursuant of relationship with each other to love our neighbor. Well, how do we do that in these times? Um, and I have a group of student leaders who've been very upfront with me about different ideas and creative strategies and things like this. One of the neat things, and you've helped me with this, Dr. James, is this whole idea of how <laughs> I thought you would like that of of how we connect with our college students. Yeah, um, and so on Tuesday nights, you know, James and I host a uh, college Zoom uh, Bible study for that age group in ways we never were able to connect with before. That's I think true. it's fair yeah. to say, and they are you know everywhere, all different kinds of locations and places, and that is something to talk about. Several linings that I think can continue post whatever this might look like. Yeah. Um, and I was just talking to my MAP team as well about what are ways, uh, things that we learned this year in this odd year of odd years that we can now take bits and pieces of that to add to the so-called traditional experience. Yeah. And students are fun when it comes to that. They come up with imaginative ways, and I think half the time they're shocked that I'm okay with it. And let's try this, let's try that. Let's be creative, let's be imaginative. Um, I want church to be fun. Yeah. I want church to be interactive. I want church to be a place where they want to come and not are forced to come, that they are excited and they jump out of the car to be there. Yeah. So if that means doing you know different types of worship experiences or different types of um, experiences with fellowship, that's good and that's, in fact, healthy. My team was just talking about, um, I know we're going to get to this in a minute, Dr. James, but my team was just talking about uh, doing communion at MAP and how different that was this year because it was, you know, a hybrid thing that we did, but it's also the pandemic. And we had to be safe. We have face masks. And working with uh, the Reverend Jeff Rogers, we came up with a way to do that. And the Wallace Garden by teams, and we have music, and we had each team of 10 people at a time do communion within six, seven minutes. But it's this powerful moment of sacrament during this hot week. And that would not have happened had it not been for the imaginative nature and cre- creative nature of these students saying, communion is important to us. Let's figure out a way to do it. And yeah. I don't want to do that virtually. Let's do that in person. That's great. I'm, I'm glad you guys figured that out because communion, I'm, I'm, I've been on this, I guess I've been on this soapbox for too long, but uh, communion is maybe the most important thing we do when it comes to worship. Uh, and it's really supposed to be a central piece of, of who we are as Christians. And uh, that's, I'm, that makes me really happy to hear mm-hmm. that you guys pulled that off. You you have a kid in our youth group. Uh, you have a kid who went through confirmation, and uh, I guess jumping into this conversation, how how is how have you seen her influenced? Um, I guess how have you seen her response to what's going on with the pandemic and and her connection to Northside? How has that been a piece of of that puzzle? I mean, there's no doubt the pandemic made it hard to connect because you were forced to connect by distance. So um, I think one of the things that Northside Student Ministry does extremely well is the confirmation program. And um, so it was cool to have my oldest Lily to be a part of that. Um, 
very much like Nate was saying, you know, she's worn out on Zooms because <laughs> um, that was school and that was, I mean, they're on, but at the same time, she's on the phone all the time. I don't like really, what is the difference? But, <laughs> um, but she was tired of Zooms. Um, but to have that opportunity to connect with the kids, to learn more about what it is they believe, I think was really positive and um, really helped reinforce some of the stuff that I'd been teaching at home. Um, so it was cool to see that all come together. I think as a parent of a teenager, my concern is, have I done enough? Mm. You know, is it connecting with them the way, same way that it connected with me? Sure. You know, I didn't go into the ministry, but I do have myself committed to full-time <laughs> ministry in my own capacity, oh, you know, at the church. Yeah, so, sure. um, I still it, think we should change your, your title to executive pastor or something like that. <laughs> you used to be. Um, so it would be, it, it's been really neat to watch her go through that process and, and see the effect hope that her mother and I have had on her and her upbringing in the church has had on her and her interaction with the youth at Northside has had on her. Awesome. Um, it's really reassuring. Yeah. Um, you know, I think kind of heading in that direction, I, I have a 13 year old and an 11 year old. So going into eighth grade, going into sixth grade. And I am so inspired by a Nate who has been in youth ministry for 20 years. Yeah. Um, I, I can't be easy. And <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about a couple things. Sure. Like what is it that keeps you going in youth ministry 20 years later? Coffee. How? Lots of coffee. <laughs> I recognize that. I see if coffee. We could, if we could get the podcast sponsored by a coffee company, <laughs> contact Dr. James Johnson. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. 770-324-8244. <laughs> Ask for Nate. <laughs> um, but like how to, how to stay in it. Like what is it, what continues to inspire you that so, so many times youth ministry is seen as kind of a stepping stone to being a yeah. mm -hmm. associate pastor, lead pastor. It, it's not the primary stop for a lot of people. Sure. Um, and this is what you've made your career out of. Um, yeah. So I'd love to hear how you, where so many say, I just can't <laughs> do it anymore. <laughs> sure. You're still in the game. No, I appreciate that. Um, for me, it is, I mean, it's it looks different today than it did 20 years ago or so how i approach youth ministry and i think it has to um i think it has to for me the central piece of it is that my call how i understand it is to help be a vessel for students to be connected with god and connecting it with jesus and so when i was young in ministry in my early 20s mid 20s whatever i didn't know a single thing flew by the seat of my pants and laughed a lot and, you know, tried to be influenced by those who were around me who I thought might know what they were doing. Now, in this stage of my career, um, what keeps me going is watching students grow in their faith and get connected with Christ and make those steps towards that. Because to me, that's why we do what we do. Um, that's at the essence of what we do. And that's what gives me the energy uh, to watch a student go from sixth grade to eighth grade to high school. And then I now have the privilege of watching them going on to young adulthood or even beyond is powerful. And watch them become young dads and young uh, moms and become professionals in their careers. And that's one of the privileges about being back at Northside to see this whole 
generation of kids that I was their youth minister before are now in their 30s, and I hate to say early 40s, who are now (laughs) at that place of, you know, being moms and dads in uh, in adulthood at Northside still, which is one of the strengths of Northside, being a neighborhood family church. Um, And so having that long view, I've often said that um, youth ministry for me, student ministry for me, is not about the sprint. It's not about the one night that you miss or the Sunday school that you miss. I'm not going to harp on that. I miss you. I'm selfish. I want you there at everything we do. But that's not reality. There's other interests and other important parts of a young person's life. So f- to have the long view and to say what my role as a church minister, a church person that works at a church, is to say I want to help further you in your relationship with Christ as best as I can to help provide places for that. And the second, I want you to grow in your relationship with others and that others you might disagree with, they might have different views than you, but that's what the essence is and that's what excites me. And then I get my energy by being around college students and high school students and middle school students and watch them learn things and ask those deep questions. And sometimes they're not so deep to you and I, but they, an eighth grader during math this past week asked me, Nate, why do bad things happen to good people sometimes? And there's, there, there's great, I there's, would love there, to hear the answer to that. There's great <laughs> books out there and all this stuff. And I, you know, I oftentimes in my teaching style will ask questions back to them because I want to know more about why they're asking the question in the first place. Mm-hmm. And good. I want to know where the hurt is. I want to know what's behind that because oftentimes a kid will ask you, hey, will you come to my game? Will you hear me? Will you sit and spend some moments with me here? Or they'll come early for Sunday school, you know, and they'll be there a half hour earlier or so shooting pool or playing a video game and to take the time to be with them in that space. And then you're there with them for 30 minutes. And then the last two minutes before you're about to rush off to the next thing is when they open up and they start sharing about their parents getting a divorce mm. or about their addiction or beginnings of an addiction to alcohol or something like this, that they're scared to tell their mom or their dad because they're afraid of the consequences for church to be there in those moments and to step in to be the and fill the gap is essential and to be part of that community. So many in our community put on this charade of saying, hey, everything's perfect. I got the manicured lawn. I got the perfect car, the perfect house. But what's beyond that is not perfect, and they're shattered, broken people like we all are. We just, in our neighborhood, oftentimes have the assurance of I can have with my funds, with my money, I could go through ways to make it look like everything's okay. The other, and how that impacts students is on social media these days. Instagram, Snapchat, only other people use Facebook and things like that, but they are never able to be off. Like you and I, when we were growing up, we were able to flip the off switch and go to bed or depending on our situation or our homes, be able to like unplug from things around us. This group, our kids, do not have that time off anymore. They are always with this fictitious, or to them it's real, this entourage of people who are always following them as their followers, as their engagers on social media. And if I wear the right clothes, if I have the right look, if I do this, if I do that, everything's okay. And they take pictures multiple times over with multiple filters and things until it's the right thing. And if they don't get the right amount of likes, they take it down, they feel a certain way about themselves. So... Where is their security in that? Where is their foundation? And to me, as a Christian person, that has to come from Christ first and foremost. 
So you asked me where my energy comes from. That is where it comes from in that sense of I want them to know the true meaning of what this life is designed to be from my perspective, my worldview as a Christian person. And then from there, how they can help influence their neighborhood around them. I love how completely you answered that question. I think we could just put that on a loop for an hour. And that's the podcast. I I could talk out on a loop and and get some more coffee. I'm fascinated at too that the the comment about how social media is affecting um, teenagers, um, and I'm realizing with my oldest that she is in like multiple group chats with not yeah. just two or three people, like with dozens of people. Yeah, and it's blowing my mind because it's so different. I mean, like you say, that's not. We didn't grow up that way. Didn't have a cell phone. I, I <laughs> like my, much my, less a cell phone right. on the internet and with right. the capability to talk to multiple people at a time. My, my kids exhausting. My kids crack up that I, I didn't know. get my first email till I started working at Turner. So post college and post everything, and they're like, "Yeah." They look. Katie looks at me and goes, "How old are you, dude?" I'm like, yeah, "That's another story." I know. So the one of the things I've learned from you, Nate, uh, as we've been in ministry together, is uh, you alluded to it in your in your answer there when you're talking about. A kid comes to you with a hard question, like, why do bad things happen to good people? Which I, I can't answer that question. Like, nobody can answer that question. Uh, and you see through the question and to the relationship. Yes, sir. And that's something that um, I've struggled with in my ministry and something that I'm, I've learned from you. I appreciate, I appreciate you, uh, in, in, you know, being partners with you in ministry at Northside because that's something that even as adults, we do the same thing. You know, we mm-hmm. have hard questions um, or we, we want certain things from the church, but we very rarely, uh, as adults, even we very rarely just expose ourselves to here's what I'm actually asking. Here's what I actually need. Right. And it's always a relationship. It's always Mm -hmm. some pain or some need or some struggle that we're not confessing in in the open, um, open air. And the church should be the place where we do that. I mean, that's exactly what the church is supposed to be. So, um, I appreciate that about you. This uh, is absolutely a place where I see, you know, why I'm not a youth minister. Yeah. Nate is. <laughs> I'd be sitting there answering the question. Yeah. And, well, and, and that's, that's the thing. Yeah. So that, I think that, that brings up another question I have is, is, is there something in your experience that you could point to that not just parents, but adults in general mm-hmm. often miss about students? Um, that's a great question. That we need to, we need to be able to keep in mind. I mean, maybe a piece of that is like, the the issue at hand is not necessarily the question it's the okay. motivation behind the question but what yeah. what do we misunderstand about students that you would want to want to say to sure parents and adults in i general? think that's a great question um I, my, my knee-jerk reaction to that question is that as you said there's there's more than meets the eye um with every student with every age with every stage that they're going through there's more than what they are saying in that moment. One of the key pieces of advice that I give to parents all the time or to adults that care about kids and students is that you need to give time for the student to be the student and to develop into who God has called them to be. And that's hard to do. That is hard to do. And that's even harder to do in the community that we are stationed at because there are so many extra pressures and wants and desires, whether that are external to the kid themselves. Um, it's also key for parents, either the mother, the father, the step parents, the grandparents, the aunt, the uncles, whoever's considered 
part of that family nuclear unit. One of them, and oftentimes it shifts from season to season, as we know as parents, has to have that key connection with that child and make sure that child has a, a valve release where they could go and be real and authentic with their parent. The parent has to remain the parent. The parent cannot become a best friend of the child. They, they have a million friends. They need to be the parent and always be the parent. And I think that's important for our parents to hear and to understand and to be free in that, to be okay in that. The church, the hardest job I've always said, well, the second hardest job I've always said is to be a teenager in this day and age. But the hardest job right now, and it always has been, is to be the parent of a teenager. There's no guidebook, rule book, figure it out. And you kind of figure it out as you're going on this. And complicating those matters right now is the fact that it is different than when we grew up. For a generation and generations ahead behind us, it was always like, well, these are the things you struggle with. These are the maturation processes, what we're going through. All those things are still true. The difference now is it's way more public. It's way more public. It's way more accessible. I asked a question to my interns or to my um, high school students recently, and it used to be, well, I'll go and research that for you, Nate, and I'll come back in a couple of days. Nowadays, they're Googling it or they're looking it up on Amazon to order it before the meeting's over and these kinds of things. And I've had to adjust my leadership style to adjust to the current age of student as well and how I teach them and how I look at something. I might teach something about out of the Bible or scripture or whatever, and they'll pull out their phone and say, no, you're wrong about that. Here's the answer or whatever. It's very wow. humbling in that. It happens all the time, not only with high school students or college students, but with middle school students. They'll call you on it, and they could spot a phony a mile away. Mm, yeah, I have met adults through the years and even currently who want so desperately, and this includes parents, to relate to their child. And instead of being authentic who they are as adults, they pretend to be some variation of what they think their child needs or wants of them to be. And so in other words, they're not being who they need to be in that moment. The kid then, the student then becomes confused about who they are designed to be and who God needs them to be. And the other thing I would say is to love your child or your student that you care about deeply and earnestly and with filled with grace. Um, all, all students, you and I, when we were that age, make a thousand mistakes. I made a thousand mistakes coming in here today. Um, but we as adults have ways to cover those things up, right? Yeah. Students are raw and they have this raw intensity about them that is vulnerable in ways that we don't remember or we bury it deep down inside of ourselves and we don't want to look at it because it's raw and it's painful sometimes. They're going through that right now. Mm-hmm. And no matter if they're six foot four and they're 230 pounds and they play defensive line for the high school team up the road, they're still a kid. And they still have this heart that's still growing and maturing inside of them, and they don't know quite how to handle it at all. And for we as adults to help guide them along that process is, I think, our call in that. You talked about how uh, parents can deal with their with their students, their their teenagers a little bit. Um, I wonder if you have some some ways that maybe just a, a regular adult at Northside Church can can get involved, or or you know, if you're walking down the hall and you don't have a student in, or you don't have a student yet uh, in 
in our ministry, in our program, um, and you run into some teenagers in the hallway or whatever at Northside Church. Won't that be fantastic when that happens again? That would be great. Yeah. I would love to do that. I would love to in do that. In person. But uh, <laughs> even so, even in the situation we're in now or hopefully in the future when we're all back together, like what, what's some what's some advice you might give to just a regular adult at Northside who maybe doesn't even want to get involved? Sure. So, you know, just encountering a teenager, right? Uh, or for those who do want to be more actively involved in our, in our program, I'm, I'm curious, like, what, what kind of approach would you suggest or what what wisdom would you pass along there? Another great question. I, I think it's... um. I think it's important not just to fill uh, spaces in vol- spaces to volunteer with just warm bodies and people who are in the room. Um, certainly, there's a, a place and time and probably in desperate need for that. But to grow beyond that, I think is important. I th- one of my favorite aspects that I get to do at Northside in student ministry is actually when I have wait no shocker to anybody when I get to get have coffee with um, <laughs> adults. And I sit across the table from an adult, and I get to hear their story, and I get to hear what they have traveled and where God has spoken to them in their lives and what's important to them, what's at that marrow of their life. And as I do that, then I think about ways that they might be aligned with what we're doing in student ministry. You know, um, our, My oldest volunteer in student ministry through my career was 85, 90 years old, right? Wow. And it was this older man at um, Northside, actually, years ago. It's a great little story for a quick moment. Uh, Bill Riley. I don't know if you all knew mm-hmm. Bill Riley. Bill, yeah. Bill and Alice Riley, right? And I think at the time, Bill was maybe hanging out in his 80s, somewhere in there. I don't know. But he was an older gentleman. Loved Bill Riley, right? Well, Bill Riley, week after week after week, I would ask him to come volunteer with the student ministry. And Bill was like, no, nah, and he thought I was joking. I was larger than life, and I was saying no. And his sweet wife, Alice, was like, no, whatever. Finally, this given Sunday, I go up to him. Now, I've been working on it for two years or so, right, because I like Bill. And I, every time I did it, it gave him a chuckle, and I thought that was kind of fun. And so every week I would do this. Finally, on this given Sunday, he shows up, and he has this book in his hand. And it was a tattered book. It was an older book. He says, here you go. And he hands me this book kind of with defiance a little bit, not mad, just he wanted to show me this book. And it ends up being, I think it was a Bible, I don't think it was a hymnal, it was a Bible, and on the outside was his name engraved on the outside cover of the Bible. I say, all right, on the inside cover of the Bible, it says something to the fact of given to you know William uh, Riley, um, and it says the date and everything by the Northside uh, Youth Fellowship. In other words, the youth group at Northside gave him this Bible as a thank you, right? And the year that was given to him and presented to him was 1965. Wow. This is now the year, let's pretend, 2000, early 2000s or so, maybe 2005, something like that, right? So many years later, and, and he says, I said, man, that sure is something. Now, Bill is thinking that this is his ticket out. Nate's going <laughs> to shut up. There's no more. I've done my job. I did the tour. Check so the you box. you have experience, you're telling me. <laughs> so I said, all right. So I hand him back the Bible, and I look at him, and, and he kind of says that. And I said, well, that exactly what you said. I said, well, this means that there's a new generation of kids that need you. They need to hear your story. And he says, you just won't give up, will you? And Alice is at this moment is laughing, right? Because they thought they had me fooled. And I said, yeah, I'm not going to give up. And I got a place for you. 
He goes, well, you know, I can't run around and play games anymore and all this stuff. I said, I don't need you to. I got kids to do that, whatever. He says, what do you got in mind? I said, once a month, once a month, I want you to meet with my senior boys for coffee. Again, coffee, there's a theme. Yeah. For, for <laughs> coffee. It's amazing how much ministry has to have coffee. I know, and, right? And, coffee and Christ. Praise God. <laughs> and, and he says... <laughs> And he says, starting a new small group program yeah, at the church. So, coffee and and so. he says, are you serious? <laughs> and so those boys for a period of time would meet every so often for a cup of Joe and hang out with Bill for nothing more than 30, 40 minutes and hear story. That's amazing. And, that's, so, that's so cool. And to that is what I answered the question of adult volunteers to find what they're passionate about. Yeah. And then mold the ministry around that instead yeah. of saying shoehorn them in. That's fantastic. That's, that's just a great answer. I love the element of that too that says to the kids that the church cares for you. Amen. And yeah. you don't Amen. you don't have to be in your 20s or 30s to care about what the teenagers are up to. Yeah. At 80 years old they still oh, yeah. are interested in knowing that you care about them. And I wonder I wonder if there's not something else in that story and and the way that you were talking about uh, sure. just regular adults getting involved. I wonder if there's not something else there about kids um particularly Teenagers, as they're becoming more self-aware and they're becoming a little bit more acclimated to the world, they don't want to be catered to all the time. They want they want some kind of structure that they can plug into. They want yeah. they want the wisdom. They want to know what happened before, what came before. They want to they want to be shown a way, guided. And when they're catered to, I think that sometimes it feels like uh, yeah. to them that they're you know that they're not getting that. You're you're placating to them and right and the uh, man that's so true the. Our students at Northside and students, I think, in general, on a larger societal view of it, but specifically our students at Northside are very smart, intelligent kids. Um, they have all the knowledge in their phones these days. They can look up anything, as I was referring to a moment ago. They don't know how to handle that knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. And so anytime, and, and Northside's a great place for this, anytime that we can connect a generation ahead of them or a few ahead of them, and have them have a chance to just to be in the room in that space and have those conversations is huge. Yeah. Another thing I did, I had an older married couple, but married 50, 60 years come and share story of marriage with our middle school students and with our high school students. They're not in a place getting ready to be married, but the, the point of that story was about godly relationships. Yeah. And and he, the, the husband, shared the story about the first time he asked his wife out on a date and how they used to court back, and yeah. one of the young people was like, what does court mean? Does it like a basketball court or whatever? And language and these kinds yeah. of things, but to know, as Nick said a moment ago, that your church cares, and not just as Nate cares, as adult volunteers and your parents care, but the whole church cares, and to go from student ministry as a silo ministry, but as ministry for everyone, yeah. all of the church is so important. Um, and then that gets to the larger issues I know we'll talk about of how do we keep ch- uh, students engaged in church and part of church and all this into their young adulthood and college years and beyond. Well, one of the keys to that is relationship. One yeah. of the keys of that is knowing that that church cares for me beyond just if I'm there or not. They know my story, and story is so important to all of us, but especially to teenagers. Yeah, I mean, and that's exactly right. I mean, the, the engagement, plugging— um, I don't want to use the word plugging, but uh, getting getting youth involved in every element of the church very on. You know, we get surprised why teenagers don't come back or why kids don't come back when 
we treat them like outsiders when they're there. Why wouldn't they, why wouldn't they see themselves as outsiders later on? You know, sure. it's, it's something that, uh, as, as we struggled with that since day one. I think the first yeah. youth group, you know, when Peter and Paul were putting it together, uh, had that issue, you know, Acts two. Uh, that's right. You just finished a great program that we do here at Northside uh, with our youth ministry called MAP, Metro Atlanta Project. Um, and I wonder if you would uh, share with us a little bit about what the experience was like this year. I know it was completely different than we've done before, but uh, talk, talk to us a little bit about what you saw coming out of that uh, and, and your relationship with your interns and really just the whole thing from top to bottom. Sure. Um, and, I, oh, and let me just say that I know Nick uh, volunteered for a couple of days, and I yeah. I was at least the, present for one day. I'm you, not sure that I was able to do You volunteered for a day, too? Yeah. No, uh, you had a very all. important role. I had a very important role. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll let, we'll let Nate talk about the big picture, and then I'll, I'll share okay. about my yeah, experience. So yeah, I was just saying, <laughs> as, as, we, as we go through this, uh, Nick, if you want to jump fun. in with um, questions or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> Nate, hilarious. what do you think? <laughs> What a great lead in. Um, <laughs> MAP, uh, Metro Atlanta Project MAP. This was our 21st year to do MAP. And all the 20 years pri- previously, we were able to stay in the church, fellowship of the church, worship of the church, live in community at the church, not worry about six feet of distancing, not worry about face masks, you know, kind of run and play, worship, live in community, and then go work and serve in our community. Um, larger community as, as we could. Meals were at the church. Meals were at the Overnight church. Overnight at the church. The whole thing. That's right. Uh, seven days, six nights, full on. It makes me tired of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, for 20 years. Um, incredible ministry, incredible. But this year, and I want to say before I get into all this, only without the support of the church and Bill and Jeff and Nick and Lynette and the team, larger team, because we met for months working and praying and thinking through, is this possible? Is this not possible? If it is possible, how can we do it? Ran through all the um, logistics and all the possibilities and eventualities to do this amazing ministry in the pandemic. And is that even responsible? Is that even something we should do uh, to grapple with these massive questions of, of doubt and thought of, is this feasible? Is this not feasible? And so to jump back in the story, so we've been doing something with one model for 20 years, looking at different variations through the years of roofing or playgrounds or home repair or whatever, but basic model for 20 years. This year, we threw the model out the window. This year was completely different. This year, we did a hybrid map which I didn't even know what that meant when I said the term trying to sell this thing. Um, <laughs> we'll figure it out as we go along. <laughs> a little bit because there's no blueprint for it. Yeah. And so what we did this year is half a map was in person, uh, socially distanced, uh, face mask worn by everybody at all times, all the things, temperature check <clears throat> and all those things. We did the projects at the church. So there was no going to homes. There was no going to nonprofits. No traveling in cars and buses and those kinds of things. Um, it was all at the church in the parking lot in the heat index of 110, 105 last week. S- incredible temperatures. Um, we set up tents in the parking lot to give some shade to the kids. All the projects were standardized, which helped us out greatly. They were all carpentry projects 
We made 55. I know this because we just moved all 55 on Tuesday of this past week. All 55 um, carpentry projects were all the same, and each team would rotate what they were building this day to the next. So some did benches this day. The next day they're doing Adirondack chairs, kid chairs. They did uh, planter boxes. They did uh, small libraries, all kinds of things that then were donated to Paul Kids, which is a ministry that we help support through the church and through MAP at Grove Park neighborhood in Atlanta. The students came early in the morning. They were there by 8 a.m., 8.15 a.m., so that whatever cool of the day they were able to get working on. Then they worked a full day, ate lunch at their individual places, so still socially distanced in a box uh, format. They then left our church about 3 p.m. each afternoon. Went home and slept in their own beds, praise God. They went there, ate at their own homes, all that kind of stuff. And then hopped on for uh, virtual worship, which we did for five nights. Um, I just checked before I came over here. We had five di- 500, excuse me, 500 different views of worship in the week. That's awesome. Um, which is a powerful number yeah. of engagements during that week of worship. Uh, we did worship each night, um, led by Matt Jackson. And Matt Jackson. Matt Jackson, shout out. And we, By the way, Matt Jackson is producing our podcast today. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get him to throw some sound effects in here. <laughs> We're going to have to get him a mic so he can just chime in every we, once in a while. We did worship online. Uh, the students engaged. They had a two-hour window to engage in worship. Then we did Zoom small groups. And I didn't know how many kids would tune in for that because it's been a long day at this point. Uh, small groups were at 8 p.m. when they start. The, we had 60 students all together do MAP in person. And that first night we had 55 kids zo- zoom in for small groups because they are nice. hungry and they are thirsty for that connection, as I was saying earlier. And then they did small groups led by their high school leaders, which we did the breakout format on Zoom. They then all come back after that. So now it's, we're talking 9 o'clock or so. They come back and we did camp elements each night as well. We made bracelets together, and these big high school dudes making bracelets was quite funny. Um, and they're doing it, and they're trying to do it, and they're fumbling more around with that than the carpentry project earlier in the day. We did a Bible trivia. We did um, all kinds of community just being together. Uh, we did worship online, live with our man Joseph. Uh, we did all kinds of neat things um, that way to make it more interactive as we could. Um so that's what we did this year. We didn't sleep at church. We didn't do all this. We threw out the old model, um, but we still had the inherent nature of what MAP is, which is student-led adult support. Let the students lead us um, and make the decisions. And so the high school students have to go through training and all those kinds of elements. But then we have the four amazing college interns that were a part of us this year and help design it and help plan it and pray over it and make it happen. And without any of those people being in place, it would not have happened to the level that it did. Do you think you uh, learned anything from doing math this year that way that is going to be helpful in the year in the year ahead uh, when you're talking about doing youth ministry now? Most and, definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, Seems like it. There's certain tools I think we learn about being more inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, we had people who weren't able to be at MAP in person this year for either health concerns or geographic concerns or whatever that were still part of worship. Yeah. So I was talking to the team, in fact, right before I came over here to be with you good folk, 
about how can we stream Matt worship next year and how can we be a part of that? How can we be more interactive and things? Um, I love MAP and I love student ministry in general, but MAP specifically, the way I term it, it's a playground of the emotions, especially at worship. We get to experiment with things that we can't do on Sunday morning in ways that are fun and engaging to these students that I've, through the years, I've had so many students say, I thought worship was just a certain way in the pews or in a contemporary setting, or I didn't, haven't been to worship in a church in forever because we have a lot of visitors who come to to MAP. And to know that I don't have to be a certain style or certain way or your preacher wears blue jeans or shorts or whatever or looks a little bit different than me or you have a female preacher or whatever, these things are eye-opening to our students. Yeah. And that we allow them to be interactive and we want to hear their voice in worship and we want to hear their voice in service and we want to hear their voice in Bible study. And we allow them a place to lead that I'm not just telling them this is what you're going to say and do like a script, but we get them to have that freedom. Oh man, that's the good stuff. Yeah. That's where they're running towards their faith and their friends and they, oh, this is, I get excited and I'm talking too much here, but <laughs> of the 60 students that were here, you need to hear this because we were all there at one point. 26 of them were rising juniors. Of the 26, 20 or so, give or take, were sophomore dudes, high school boys. You know how hard it is to get high school boys <laughs> mm-hmm. to come to, to church <laughs> in the summer yeah. and work outside in the 110 degree heat? Yeah. Or yeah. 100 degree heat or I, 95 degree I heat? I think our group was mostly, Because when I volunteered yeah. for the, the two days, I think the group was like five yeah, junior dudes. Yeah, dudes. we ended up having a pretty great conversation about Marvel, <laughs> Marvel movies. <laughs> well, see, and that was the uh, that was the neat thing about my experience. Yeah. I have not volunteered with Matt before. Usually, the big national church business administrator conference is the same week that Matt is. Oh, that sounds so amazing. I would Let's find myself. We should do a podcast on you that. You want a podcast on that? <laughs> no, oh, it's fantastic, man. Fun. People in Northside need to hear about this. Oh, you get all your CPUs <laughs> and everything. Never mind. Um, and. It was a really neat opportunity to get to do something, and I tried to be really cognizant of student-led, adult-supported, sure, because, sure. you know, I'm the executive director. Like, I'm going to step in and that's say, it, this and is how we're doing it, That's what guys. I was seeing. I was seeing Nick <laughs> jumping And that in was there. me trying now, not, not to. You are not swinging that hammer the way you're supposed to, young man. Let me, let me well, show you how to hurt yourself. <laughs> that's... Well, there's definitely well, no and, and the one time you stepped away from our group, one kid accidentally threw a hammer across the <laughs> parking lot. That was me supervising. I was like, uh, Dr. James, let's try not to um, do that. Dr. James. So <laughs> it was neat to interact with the teenagers and get a chance to get to know them. But one of the things I appreciated about James being out there is, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but James is a little charismatic and outgoing. Wait, wait, this conversational. just in. This just in. Yeah. And, uh, he did. He started a great conversation with this team while we were eating lunch about Marvel movies. And it was just a good way. And, and he's doing a Bible study on yeah. MCU and the UMC. Yeah, yeah. So it was a great way to engage the teenagers. I mean, and yeah, try to get cool. to know each other and have some build some relationship. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah, it was it was a fantastic. Great experience. I totally do thank it again. You. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I, I got to say, I was a little nervous about doing it. I don't yeah. I mean, I don't know if other people feel this way or not, but I'll go ahead and admit if we want to talk about being a little bit raw. I'm worried about teenagers not thinking I'm cool. <laughs> like, that's, that's, I have major is. concerns about like I'm walking out of the room and they're like this guy like <laughs> sun's out guns out <laughs> you know and so so I, yeah, I can be intimidated by teenagers. Yeah. You just got to define what cool is, you know. You got to be just embody cool. it. Yeah, just embody yeah. it. Be, All right, be where you know, you're at. Be where. And you're I, at. again, I do apologize for it in flip flops on the map site. I know that wasn't supposed oh, to do that. Hey, can I tell you, <laughs> the number of people 
who came up to me and said, do you know what James is wearing? <laughs> I mean, I'm talking interns. I'm talking kids. I got looks, kids, man. I I'm got talking looks. whatever. They, they knew. They knew. And, they, and then one of them comes up to me, I think, and says something like, you're only letting him do that because, you know, it's Dr. James. I'm like, pr- pretty much, and Nick's there, so whatever. Like, Andy was wearing a mask. <laughs> he did have a mask. He might have like, this is okay, but down here is like a health concern. I'm pointing to my face for podcast listeners. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. That's hilarious. So uh, one of the things that's exciting about getting back into the new space uh, and getting into the space that we have at Northside Church is that the youth have a new space. Uh, we've, we've done some work. People are going to be surprised to walk into the building and see a lot of things different. First of all, the building's polished, clean. Shout out yeah. to facilities for no, that. And that happened early on. Yeah, it looks I mean, great. You know, we're always looking for opportunities to be able to do some work inside the building. And I will say, you know, pandemic, we're not able to meet. There's nobody in the building and it was the perfect opportunity to get some stuff done to the facility. For sure. You guys have been, both of you have been really involved with this new youth space that we have, uh, that we're going to unveil. And when we get back in the building, you guys want to talk a little bit about what that looks like and what, how excited you are about it? Sure. Well, let me first of all say huge shout out to the board of trustees. Amen. Um, for, for making Amen. moves to, to do something for the youth. Um, you know, we finished the new building, and I still refer to it as the new building, yeah, but it was finished like in 2009, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and didn't quite get the space. Do you for refer youth. to your 11 year old child as your new child? Is that um, well, no, Did I've it, gotten a newer one since then. Okay, right. As soon as we add on to this building again, <laughs> that will be the new building. Um, it's funny. So the 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 youth space that was designed and that plan didn't exactly come out like the plan happened due to budgetary concerns. So. Um, the trustees saw an opportunity to try to design a space that um, would present an opportunity for the youth to give a, a little bit of an identity. That's right. Um, do you feel like that's a good word for it, Nate? I agree. Um, where the youth offices and youth classrooms and a large group meeting space would be located all together. So the third floor of the um, building A, or old building, has been remodeled a little bit to give us um, a new classroom sizes and a little bit of mm-hmm. a different look. Um, offices for the student ministry staff. And we are building a large group worship room um, that actually extends the third floor into the fellowship hall um, so that there's a bit of new space carved out where you could pretty easily seat 100 people in there. Mm-hmm. Um, youth can meet in there on Wednesday night, on Sunday night. During the week, it would be available for other groups to meet, mm-hmm. um, but it will function like a miniature faith and art center. That's right. Um, and give the youth an opportunity to engage in aspects of worship as well. Amen. Um, you know, the the technology in there, gosh, they're more native on it than we are. Mm-hmm. And um, it'll give them an opportunity to be engaged in worship, Sounds not just cool. as a worshiper, but also to produce it. Sure. Sounds pretty amazing. I have to say that I, I worked at a church. I won't, I won't name the church just in case anyone happens to be listening. I worked at a church as youth minister for almost five years uh, before I came to Northside. And every single year I asked them, we, we had the most rundown space. This is a church that's pretty much, it was a similar budget and similar size to Northside Church. And every year I would go to the trustees or I'd go to the church council and say, hey guys, we really need a new space. Like there, we're the space that we have is is like it was the old fellowship hall but it had been mm-hmm. gutted and had nothing in it uh it was just falling apart 
And I was like, I would come up with different ideas about how we could maybe engage the space a little differently. They would say no to that. I would say, well, let's build a new space. And they would say no to that. The year after I left, <laughs> the year after I left, they passed a multi-million dollar renovation project wow. and completely just redid the entire wing of the church. And it looks amazing. I went back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coincidence? I don't think so. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. But anyway. Um, Nate, what do you think about the new space? Oh, we're very excited. We can't wait. Um, thank you. As Nick said, all the thanks to the trustees, church council, all the people who voted for it and approved it and made it happen and made it happen very quickly. Um, I might say, and from my perspective, at least, uh, one of the neat things that I've done in this process is, you know, here and there, um, some students have asked to take a sneak preview and to look up there. Um, and so after the workers have gone for the day or whatever, I've taken a one or two up there uh, to show them. And their reaction, now you need to know there's no furniture yet. It's just blank spaces, but it's a new space of carpet and new paint, new room designs and things. And these students walk in and their eyes just open up like Christmas morning. And they are thrilled and they are excited. So church, you need to hear that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. They walk in, and the one of the first comments was, man, Nate, look at the carpet. The carpet is great. <laughs> and I said, if you're that excited about the carpet, just wait. Yeah. Wait, there's more coming? I said, More carpet? <laughs> I said, yeah, like it's, it's going to be phenomenal. Uh, yesterday, I took the rising sixth graders up there and for them to see their space because they're going to be in that space the longest. And we prayed over the space, socially distanced, face masks on, all the things. That's really cool. And we prayed over the space, and we asked God to be in that room, in those spaces. And they were jumping with joy um, and thrilled by that their church, their church. Now, you need to hear how I said that. Their church did something for them and for the future students and how powerful that was as a class of 2027 to be excited about what their church did for them. Class of 2027? Yeah, the new, yeah. The new oh sixth graders. <laughs> I, it, Nate, that, that, that story, uh, you took them up there, you prayed. With, I mean, that's going to be their space. They get to see the, the guts mm-hmm. of that space. They're going to grow right. in that space yeah. until they graduate Amen. in 2027. Oh, my gosh. Right. Yeah. With a few um, more gray hair. Yeah. For me. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. that is really cool. Um, it's powerful. I'm excited about it. Uh, and even when I take college kids or young adults in, over there to see it, or you know these kinds of things, um, or church staff or whatever, to see them and see how they're excited as well. Because, again, the theme through this whole conversation is we're not just a silo ministry. We're not just stuck up over here in the corner or something. It's about the whole church, the whole community coming together to be there. And and this, I mean, this process did not happen without a lot of support from a lot of different places. Amen. Yeah. I mean, Amen. it required the church staff flipping over where offices were and getting rearranged. And for sure, um, for sure, it worked so out for some of us. Um, I it, it, I think it ultimately works out really well for everybody. <laughs> Nate, thank you for um, giving me your old office. You're you're most welcome. <laughs> I'll miss the Wesley closet, but yeah, I'm happy to have windows. I mean, do we really though? Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I mean, you were closer to me. <laughs> That's true. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, it's really neat. I'm, I'm hoping the space is designed around this idea that youth ministry is about relationships. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's set up to really function in a way that gives students and adults the opportunity to get together and relate to each other. Amen. And Amen. It's, it's a... It, I know there, there were some questions about, you know, why are we doing a renovation in the middle of a pandemic when we can't even be in the building? I know that, that there were some questions that were raised about that uh, oh, from gosh, some people. Guys, I don't know how we would have done it with people in the building. Yeah, right. So <laughs> that's one thing. But I, I will say this. It is a vote. It is not 
uh, it is a vote of confidence. It is an investment. I don't like that word. It is a, it is. I like that word. I know you do. Uh, it is a show of confidence though in our church, not just in our youth program, but in our church that we are here mm-hmm. and we're going to be here. Yeah. And uh, we're coming back. And and when we come back, we got this awesome space. Uh, yeah. And this is, this is, um, I just, I love it. I love the Northside has done this and uh, I, I'm excited for you, Nate, and for the youth ministry at our church, for the kids at our church. As we wrap up here, um, is there anything that we haven't talked about that we want to throw out there? I, I think as a final kind of closing thought, this this idea that um, we're all in this together and we're all trying to figure this out together, this pandemic, sure, and to see Northside come together in mighty ways in this time it gives me, I was asked the other day, you know, Nate, you know, are what do you see differently now versus when you first came back or Northside that we knew before? And it's also different, also changed so much in this term of the new normal and what what does that mean and I'm kind of over those terms and whatever but one of the things that kind of gives me pause to know that there's something to be excited about is church and the people of the church coming together and leaning on each other and being there for one another even if they disagree about issues even if they you know are conservative or liberal or this or that or face mask yes face mask no or whatever at the end of the day, at Northside, I genuinely feel that people care about each other, that yeah. they want the best for each other, that, that they pray for each other, they want the best for their relationship in Christ, and how can we do this together? And we're trying our best through this time, and our students are as much about that as the rest of us are. That's great. Nick, you have anything you want to add to? Gosh, I, I take for granted all the stuff that I have rolling around in my head, and I should say that that space should be up and running by Thanksgiving. Amen. Um, you know, construction started about May and it's going to run all the way through November um, to get, you know, all the I's dotted and T's crossed. Yes. Um, maybe some of the classrooms we can use sooner than that, but to that main large group worship space. Awesome. Um, hopefully up and running by Praise Thanksgiving. Praise God. Uh, Nate, thank you so much for thank being here for today. Thank you. This is a great conversation. And I hope that the words that you have shared with, not just with us, but with, uh, the people of Northside and anyone else that's listening will be edifying, and and that awesome. um, I hope that people will reach out to you if they they want to get plugged into uh, ministry. Is there any particular way that people should reach out to you? Should uh, they tweet you or Snapchat <laughs> you or Instagram you or old fashioned email will work, work just fine? Or the phone number earlier for the coffee donation and sponsorship would be just great. Con- contact Nate at seven seven zero three two four eight two four four. Text with a large black coffee to Nate. That's right, large black coffee. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this. And then Nick, do you want to send us off? What do you want? You want to say anything? I, I'm excited about what's going on at Northside, man. Some stuff's changing. It's be People great. haven't been in the building, yeah. but when we get back in the building, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. We have not yet set a date, but we got new space, new worship schedule, refreshed, revitalized. It's going to be great. You guys can't see this, but Nick is wearing a scarf right now around his neck. I'm wearing a face shield. <laughs> a face shield. It looks like uh, it looks like a, a woman's scarf. <laughs> it, it matches my shirt. Sun's out, guns out. <laughs> Nate, thank you so much. Thank you all for having me. Northside, we'll see you around. <laughs>